Truth Spresso, episode 124. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hi there. This is Daniel Minnick, the host for Truth Espresso, and this is another episode of Truth Espresso Express. And Truth Espresso Express just so happens to be called that literally because uh, I record these episodes of Truth Espresso Express while driving. Now, you know, that means that I'm not going to be looking at uh, notes or reading articles and stuff like that because my eyes are on the wheel and on the road. And so, you know, whatever I do for recording these episodes of Truth Espresso Express, and you hear the GPS there possibly in the background. So, yes, I really am in my car, and this one is one where I'm driving home from work. So I'm about to get on the street that will then take me to the interstate um, on the way home. And so, for this episode of Truth Espresso Express, I am going to talk about uh, the Incarnation, uh, what it means that Jesus uh, took on humanity in particular. I know I've talked about um, Philippians chapter 2 on a previous episode of Truth Espresso, on an earlier episode, in fact. But, uh, you know, it's been long enough that I can start to talk about it again. Um, but the reason I want to do that is because of a little bit of a Facebook exchange. Okay, see some flashing lights. Okay, so someone on the road there, uh, kind of holding up a lane there, having some car trouble, an officer behind him, flashing lights. Okay, uh... No issue there past that. So, Philippians chapter 2, and I was having a discussion on Facebook with an Arian. Now, what is an Arian? Well, um, when it comes to non-Trinitarian positions, there are several of them, but there are mainly three non-Trinitarian positions. One of them is the oneness position, or modalism, kind of like what the UPCI hold to, the oneness Pentecostals that say that Jesus is the Father. There's only one person of God, but Jesus is the Father taking on humanity. And it, most uh, oneness um, kind of end up with a Nestorian idea of Jesus, that he's almost like two persons, a human person and the divine person. Oh, traffic's a little heavy getting onto the highway here. So, um, that's what modalism ultimately ends up with. Is kind of a... 
a oneness type uh, view, a Nestorian type view that Jesus has two persons, a human person and a divine person along with the two natures and that is to maintain um, a Unitarian idea of God. Now, other Unitarian ideas are subordinationism, which um, one idea is Arianism, that Jesus is the uh, first and greatest creature of God. He's like an angel. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have this idea, this Arian idea, that um, Jesus is Michael the Archangel, and Michael the Archangel is the most powerful, the first creature that God created, and through... Um, you know, what would be Jesus, God created all other things. And really, Arians are kind of like that. They highly exalt Jesus as the greatest creature, and they believe that he pre-existed um, the incarnation. So they believe that Jesus is, is uh, incarnate, you know, but... But there's, uh, you know, the idea is that what pre-existed was not God Almighty. Je uh, Jesus was still a creature, a glorious creature who became incarnate. It's, it seems kind of weird to me. It really doesn't seem like there's a, a purpose for um, having some other glorious creature become incarnate. But that's what Arians believe. Uh, and then you have a Socinian position where Jesus is simply a human being, nothing else. The greatest human who ever lived, you know, many of them would say, it's sinless, virgin birth, and so on, but he did not exist in any way before the conception in the womb of Mary. He did not pre-exist um, his conception. So, just human, perfect, sinless, virgin-born, but still only human ontologically. Um, so those are the three major uh, non-Trinitarian ideas. Now, so what about Arianism? So I had this Facebook exchange on Philippians chapter 2, the verses that are known as the Carmen Christi, uh, with an Arian, and you know he was trying to make some non-trinitarian arguments, and uh, so I brought up Philippians chapter two, and explained um, how this shows that he has that he is fully God and fully man, that Jesus is God and man, two natures, one person. And he rejected that. Now, historic Arians did believe in, uh, you know, that Jesus had two natures, but he didn't, you know, so a human nature and... Uh, like a, a semi-divine nature, you know, angelic nature, um, you know, kind of lesser than God Almighty, divine created nature. But it seems like a lot of Arians today uh, want to say that, you know, that Jesus, if he pre-existed the incarnation as like an angelic creature or whatnot, that he changed into human via the incarnation. So there were two aspects to this argument, this exchange that I had. Um, one, that the 
nature that the pre-existent nature that Jesus had that he he has it eternally and it's the same one nature of God with the Father and then also that he uh, you know became when he became incarnate it it's that he took on a full human nature he didn't change into human he took on a nature and that didn't change his divinity he has he's one person with two natures that's what an incarnation is it's not a metamorphosis it's an incarnation and so what about philippians chapter 2 the carmen christi uh, the arguments that i made so um when it says, let this mind be in you, I'm quoting from memory here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then you have the exaltation of Jesus. So I was quoting from the King James there, because um, that's how I have it memorized, of course. Um, so, who... Now, the context is talking about humility. Jesus is the example of humility. Now, what does um, the Apostle Paul say to those in the church? He says uh, in verse 3, I believe it was, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So the idea is that each one of us um, is equal in the body of Christ, but we lay that aside, we lay our rights aside as to what we actually are, and we, you know, we set aside the prerogatives that we actually have, what we own um, to our person, and we lay the exercise of those prerogatives, um, you know, our honor, our, you know, kingly, whatever authority we might have, and we put others above ourselves. So that's what humility is. It isn't changing our nature. It isn't, you know, it isn't trying to grasp at something we don't actually possess by right, but it's, you know, laying aside what we do have by right in the pursuit of helping other people, putting other people first. And that is the context by which we get to Philippians 2, um, you know, verses 5 through 11. And so when the Apostle Paul says, let this mind be in you, the same mind, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now he explains who Jesus is, who being in the form of God. Now, what does that mean? You know, first, let's look at the word being, which, uh, if I remember correctly, it's the Greek word huparkon, and it's a present active participle. So, who, while being in the form of God, you know, did not consider um, equality with God a thing to be grasped, or did not, or thought not, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So, being in the form of God, while being in the form of God, now this Arian um, 
said that the form, why does it say he was in the form of God and didn't just say while being God? Well, I think that has to do with, you know, it's talking about the mind of Christ. It's not just going to, it's not, it doesn't just say while being God because it needs to explain the nature of Christ, what he possessed by right, and not just say, not just identity there because also you know the writers are quick to explain if there is no context that he's not identifying Jesus as being the father you know he he is in the form of God and you know by virtue of that he did not uh, consider grasping onto or seizing um, equality with God. So, you know, that the statement, remember, the context is about humility. So, it let each esteem other better than themselves. In lowliness of mind, here's the mind of Christ. While he's in the form of God, um, you know, and I would say that that in there doesn't necessarily mean, you know, a locative thing. It's an instrumental thing. He, you know, while possessing and having all the functions of the form or the nature of God, he did not reach for equality with God. Now, what does it mean by equality with God? You know, is it equality with God ontologically? Well, then that would, you know, suggest that there could be two gods, which Trinitarians or monotheists, we don't believe that there's more than one God. We believe that there is one true God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the persons of God, the personal identities of that one God. So, the Son, Jesus, while being in the same form of God, did not grasp at equality with God. Now, the Arian argued, you know, just like Jehovah's Witnesses would argue, that, you know, it's saying that Jesus didn't reach for something that he didn't actually have a right to. Like, he didn't try to take what wasn't his, which is equality with God. And I think that doesn't go along with the, the concept being taught here about, um, you know, humility in the body of Christ. It isn't humble. It isn't a humble mind not to try to grab at something that you don't have a right for. And, you know, so... It's saying that Jesus didn't cling or grasp or try to take, um, you know, what he really had a right to, uh, because, you know, he could have just come to earth and say, I am God, worship me, you know, but he didn't. Um, for the sake of the divine mission, he humbled himself. He did not, uh, you know, he walked the streets of Jerusalem uh, as human with a full human nature and was subject to the temptations um, via that human nature and you know sickness and uh, injury and so on so while being in the form of God he did not um, you know try to um, seek the equality of God which I think has to do with you know the glory of it you know, talking about humility here, but rather, you know, he emptied himself, ekenosin. 
so that is the word there for emptied himself. Now, this is another case where the Arian argued with me that when it says he emptied himself, you know, he became human. He, you know, abandoned the what he possessed as, um, you know, some kind of lesser than God form, so, you know, like some angelic form or something like that. You know, he'd say that he he had some godlike attributes from the Father, but it wasn't fully God. It was, you know, a, a, the highest glorified creature of God. So, but he says that, you know, by emptied himself, he removed that and changed into a human being uh, via the incarnation. So I would say that that's not an incarnation, that is a metamorphosis, if you will. Um, but I think that uh, Philippians chapter 2 here does not say that Jesus emptied himself by removing. It never says that he removed it, uh, you know, the form of God. Um, it says, while being, who being, present active participle, in the form of God, emptied himself. Now, you know, you, ju you can read into that word uh, that he emptied himself of the form of God, but I don't believe what it's teaching because it says, taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men. So you have two participles there, and each participle there is a modifier. It, these are what we call instrumental participles or participles of means. And, you know, so taking is the word labon, and uh, being made is the word genomenos. Both of those are referring to and describing the incarnation here. And so, you know, ha having reference to both his humanity and how he conducted himself as a human. He was a lowly human, a servant, the form of a servant. So, how did he empty himself? You can't just read emptied himself and presume that that means he emptied himself of the form of God, whatever that means. You have to read how it's defined by these participles. So he emptied himself by taking on the form of servant and by being made in the likeness of men. So that's what the emptying means. He emptied himself by taking on humanity. So let's go through this again. While being in the form of God, present participle, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So here you go. The one who while being in possessing the divine nature and I argue strongly that this is the same one nature of God, which means that, you know, the, with humility there, he didn't hold on to or, you know, tenaciously grasp, seize, hold on to, retain the uh, glory, the right of what it would mean to be equal with God, but rather he emptied himself and this is by taking 
so the emptying is not by removing anything at all. It is by taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men. So here we go. If we, I believe, if you read um, these verbs properly, being who park on um, the uh, understanding properly what who uh, harpagmon here is. Um, by you know the not the ukhupargman by not seizing taking grasping robbery, um, and then you know empty to kenosin is the aorist uh, verb, but then it has these modifiers taking labone and being made ganomenos that define what the emptying is. So and that is how we have one person who is fully God and fully man. Being in the form of God, he humbled himself by, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. So, the humility, just like, you know, because if the mind of Christ is something that is our example, then it's not by changing what we are ontologically. <laughs> it's by taking on servanthood, and the mind of Christ is he took on humanity. Now, we ourselves are humans, but the mind of Christ for us is to lower ourselves, not hold on to any prerogatives or rights that we have, but to put others above ourselves stoop down be servants not change our nature not metamorphize ourselves um, into something that we are not we don't change our ontology we don't change our being but as the mind of Christ was to lay aside what he had by right the glory thereof the equality of God um, you know uh, hierarchically or you know by right he emptied himself of that he did not seize of that but he emptied himself by taking on humanity stooping and thereby stooping to be a servant <laughs> and becoming fully human by adding the human nature so one person with two natures and that is what an incarnation is incarnation that of taking on a nature being in that nature, not changing yourself. Now, I know my Aryan friend here on Facebook had told me after exchange that he's going to write an article uh, about Philippians chapter 2. And I look forward to reading that article. I, uh, you know, I, I'm... I still have some stuff left to continue um, and reply to what he said recently before, um, you know, what he last said while I was still working today. So I have some, still have some stuff to reply to him, but this is my explanation of the Carmen Christi of Philippians chapter 2 um, to this Arian. And I think, you know, there's a lot of scholarship that will tell you the same thing. The key is to understand the tenses of the verbs, how they are used, and the flow thereof. So, once again, you know, we have the mind of Christ, the context is about humility, and it's, uh, it's forsaking what 
rights you have as what you are and stooping uh, below for the sake of putting others above yourself. It's stooping to what is equal, you know, because all of us in their body of Christ are said to be equal in other passages. Jew and Gentile, male and female, so on. Although there's ontological and role distinctions, there is human equality there, and we're all equal as members in the body of Christ, and that is what (laughs) this is all about. And so the mind of Christ is the example of that. And so who being present active participle there while being in the form of God the form of God is I believe ontologically what God is and you know and I and I didn't mention earlier but I say one of the arguments for that is if the form of God is something that God created then the parallel here with the form of God morphe uh, Morphetheu um, is later on the Morphendulu. This is in the accusative case here, taking the uh, you know the form of a servant. It's the accusative case as the direct object there. Morphendulu, the form of a servant. So if the form of God is something that God created, then the parallel would necessarily be that the form of a servant is the something that servant created now no servant created the form that jesus took on so you know if the form of god is something that god created that jesus you know indwelt or possessed or had as a nature or whatever then the form of a servant would have to be something that a servant created. Now, if I try to remember, you know, with the the subtypes of genitives, this is, you know, uh, theu here, form of God, theu, is a genitive case. And form of servant, dulu, is also in a genitive case. So I say there's a parallel here. So if the form of God, if the the way this genitive of God is functioning here means that the form came from God, was a creation of God, then the parallel here would demand that the form of a servant would mean that servant, whoever servant is, created this form that Jesus took on. And so if that's not feasible, but that form of a servant, the doulo here, is, you know, referring to the incarnation, what Jesus took on, it's the nature, it's the type of the form, then naturally the parallel means that the form of God is the type of the form. It is what God is by nature. And, uh, you know, and therefore, as I argued with the Arian here, that parallel means that, you know, if form of a servant means, you know, has anything to do with human ontology here, then the form of God has to do with God's ontology. It is the very nature of God, because there's only one eternal God. So, the Son, Jesus, while being in the form of God, or being God by nature with the Father, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but because of 
you know, the mind of Christ, because of humility's sake, he emptied himself. Now, he didn't discard the form of God. He took on humanity because the form of a servant, taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men, both of them are modifiers. They're instrumental participles. They're participles of means that act as adverbs. They explain what and how the emptying is. You can't read into the emptying what you want. You can't assume that the emptying is discarding the form of God because these particles say these participles say what the emptying is, and the emptying is taking on humanity. So there you go. There's the case that I made to um, the Aryan. And there's, you know, this isn't something I made up. This isn't my own private interpretation. This is uh, what plenty of Trinitarian scholars would explain for this passage. You can look at plenty of commentaries uh, from Trinitarian scholars and, you know, even in... uh, uh, a debate uh, between James White and Greg Stafford, who was a Jehovah's Witness. He's a former Jehovah's Witness right now, but when James White had a debate with Greg Stafford, he did briefly bring up um, the participles here as what he called circumstantial modals. And yes, uh, also, you know, that means they're uh, participles of means that describe what the emptying is. And Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Michael the Archangel uh, disappeared out of existence when Jesus was conceived as a human and that he was only human. And then when Jesus died on the cross, the resurrection really was just Jesus... um, uh, you know, remaining dead, the human Jesus stayed dead, and then God recreated recreated Michael the Archangel. But I don't know if this Arian, this non-Jehovah's Witness Arian, believes that. I don't think he does. But you know, still he agrees with Jehovah's Witnesses that there is no two natures. There's only one nature. That Jesus discarded the uh, divine-ish. You know less than God, but angelic, whatever um, form of God that he had by changing into a human nature. And I believe, as I've said, that that is not what this teaches. And I hope that this was a help um, if you've encountered Arians or any non-Trinitarians that will deny that Jesus is fully God, and they will deny the the full nature of the incarnation that Jesus is one person with two natures, fully God, fully man, and that is, you know, the really the only way I believe you can truly understand what the mind of Christ here is and what it means for uh, humility here, you know, with the example of the body of Christ here and how we um, don't hold on to what we have by right, you know, but we. Uh, esteem each other better than themselves, which means we're equal to each other, but for the sake of each other's uh, betterment, we stoop down to lift up each other. That's what the mind of Christ is. 
And I've got to get gas here, so I am about to pull into the gas station. And so I hope this was helpful to you. I hope that I hope that the explanation here made sense. I know I had to repeat and talk about some Greek words, uh, Greek verbs, and participles, but. You know, if you listen to this a few times, I hope that this would be a, a helpful help to you to understand what Philippians chapter 2 is really talking about. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.